credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to the Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Jerry's here too. Dave's here in spirit. It's Short Stuff. But we're all in the same astral plane, man. We're all here in spirit. That's right. We're tethered by the silver cord. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, we're just floating around, checking things out. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> the reason Chuck's talking like that, everybody, is because we are going to investigate one of the weirdest occurrences in the annals of um, both traditional yoga and um, the New Age movement. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it like that because I think that's pretty <laughs> accurate, really. That's right. Uh, we're talking about a man named Robert Antozchik. And this is a gentleman who, uh, it was in his late 20s, in the mid-70s. He lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He was, by all accounts, a good dude. He was pretty chill. He teached yoga. Uh, <laughs> teached? He taught yoga <laughs> at Somebody the YMCA. to English. <laughs> and YWCA. He's a vegetarian. He uh, was a practitioner of karate. Uh, former Marine, just mm -hmm. seemed like an all-around good dude, very much into esoteric yoga, uh, which is to say a, a large focus on the mind and spirit. Mm -hmm. And one of these people that really got into like, hey, I'm really going to start studying with yogis, and I'm going to travel to India, and I'm going to take up fasting and meditation and give up a lot of my material possessions, like went all in on this. Yeah, and he didn't just show up in India, you know, eat some like paneer, palak paneer, mm. and hang out for a few days and then come home. Like he actually went and studied under the yoga master Iyengar. Um, so like he really, really was into yoga in the 70s. Like this was not the 90s or the 2000s. This is the 70s when it was like, you know, not the most usual thing you would find somebody who had traveled to India to study yoga still. So um he came back from that, from what I can tell, a fairly changed person. And like you said, he was really interested in esoteric yoga and in particular astral projection. And I found a contemporaneous article, which I just used on purpose, I um, love it. Fr from the Detroit Free Press in 1975. And they called astral projection, astro projection, all one word. And they, <laughs> astro, they, right? Yeah. They said yeah. it's kind of like the Jetsons version of it. <laughs> yeah. But then they they used it more than once, so apparently they thought that's actually what it was called. Um, but with astral projection or astro projection, I guess, um, if you if you take it on face value, um, it's kind of easy to explain, and that is that uh, when you meditate in a certain way, uh, one technique is to focus on the the line between um, sleep and wakefulness, and mm -hmm. like really focus on that and try to actually stay in that space. Um, you will, your spirit, your soul will leave your body. And in that state, your conscious mind is conscious, taking in all of this information and all of these sights and sounds and, and things. But you can go 
anywhere, not just in the world, not just in the universe, Chuck, but in different dimensions and planes of existence entirely, all while your soul is still connected to your body, right? Yeah, and that's that's the key, that waking consciousness, because it's not like you come back and say, boy, I really, I think I, my soul left my body, but I have no memory of anything. Right. Like, it's floating around, metaphorically speaking, and uh, taking all this in and bringing it home with you, uh, they have, like, in this delusive dreaming, because there are some similarities there, mm-hmm. um, but the the whole key here, and I kind of joked about it earlier, that we're all attached and tethered by our silver cord, mm-hmm. that's what it's called, it's sort of like an umbilical cord when you're astral uh, projecting that keeps you... Uh, tethered like an astronaut to a spaceship yeah. so you just don't get stuck out in the astral plane somewhere. Yeah. Um, it is possible for your silver cord to sever. Apparently, uh, uh, one tradition is that when you die, like when you're born, uh, or when you're conceived, I, I should say, you're, <laughs> you're the fetus, you as a fetus is connected to your spirit through your silver, uh, silver cord. And then as you grow and age and everything, you stay connected. And then finally, when you die, the, that silver cord is, is separated. So your soul is separated from your body. Um, but it's possible to, for your silver cord to become accidentally or inadvertently separated. And that is not something that you want to happen. Because in this plane of existence, that means that your body is dead. Uh, your spirit is never coming back. It's permanently untethered, which means it's permanently and forever lost in the astral plane, in the spirit world. And it will never be able to find its way back. And there's a lot of people who believe in this stuff who believe that that's exactly what happened to Robert Antoschik. And they actually make a pretty good case if you really dive into it. And I say we take a break and then dive into it, Chuck. Let's do it. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. It's 1975. Robert and Soschik. That's hard to say. It I sure apologize. Is. It's hard to spell as well. It is. Uh, whenever you have S C. I'm sorry, S Z C Z Y K. I'm not seeing any uh, any vowels in there, so that makes it tough. No, we got the anto part down pat. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> so, uh, so Bobby A was living in a house. Uh, he had a couple of roommates, <laughs> and it's June of '75. It's a Sunday, yep. and he says, "Hey, listen, I'm going to go and uh, meditate and try an astral project in here." So you know what that means, roomies. I'm tying the uh, the forever scrunchie on the outside of my. I'm hanging it on my doorknob, mm-hmm. and that means do not come in at all. Do not disturb me, please, please, please. So the roommates were like, "Whatever, man." And several <laughs> days go by, <laughs> and it becomes Tuesday, and one of the roommates finally says, "Hmm, it's been a few days. He has not come out of his room. Maybe we should go in there, open the door, and there he is, dead." On his back, but still in a meditative pose. Yeah, he's got his thumbs still between his fingers. I think his index and middle finger. Um, and the medical examiner who showed up shortly after um, said that he had a serene expression on his face. Yeah. But he was, in fact, dead. And if you examine the body, which they did, they were like, hmm, I don't see any reason he died. Uh, once they con- conducted an autopsy, things got even weirder because the medical examiner said there was no evidence, no trace of anything that might have killed him. No injury, no disease. Um, and it, there was such a dearth of, of clues. He said normally in the Detroit Free Press, the medical examiner said normally there's something that provides yeah. some clue, even if it does, it's not like directly pointing at the mechanism of death. There's something there that I can at least make a guess. He said there's nothing here. And I have no idea. I can't even make a guess at why this guy died. It's a total mystery. He was the picture of health. They even brought in Quincy. Mm-hmm. And, Quin- and Quincy had no idea. No. And if you don't know who Quincy is, just ask your <laughs> great-great-grandparents, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. Uh, his stomach had food in it that was undigested, uh, mm-hmm. which would seem to indicate that he died not too long after the meditation on Sunday. Yeah. Except food would have been uh, moved through if he had waited till Tuesday to die after like a, a three-day sesh. Right. And so they said, well, did this guy die from meditation? Um, the medical examiner said, well, that's an interesting idea. Let me look into that. Um, not so much interested in uh, astral projection because I'm not sure I believe in that stuff because I'm mm-hmm. a medical examiner. But – there have been reports of yogis uh, all over planet Earth that try to um, regulate and change their heartbeat, like usually slow it down. Uh, I seem to remember they were like, like on That's Incredible and stuff in the 80s, uh-huh. there were yogis who did tricks where they said they could like slow their heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. There's never been like 
super verified accounts that this is possible to do like with great success and regularity. I think they, there was a yogi once who did slow his heartbeat for a few seconds. Um, we're not saying it's not possible, but they just haven't studied it and proven that a human is capable of that. Yeah, and I have actually seen a couple of studies that do suggest it is possible. But yes, the, the it's not really, it's not definitely been disproven, but it also, there's not a whole bunch of support for it necessarily among scientific study, right? right? But it was enough that, it was enough of at least a rumor or an idea that that was a, a, a line of thinking that the medical examiner followed. And he posited that it's possible Robert uh, in this, this meditative state where he was trying to astrally project, which by the way, is considered a really dangerous um, type of meditation among yogis in the East. Like, this is not something that you do lightly. Um, and having trained and studied in India, Robert probably would have been a better candidate to do this than the average person, but it was still dangerous. And so the medical examiner posited that perhaps he had slowed his heartbeat down so slowly that it just stopped beating. Yeah, to zero. Yeah, and after a very short while, you would die if your heart stopped beating. But also, you could say, you could make a case that it, this would leave no traces of itself because the heart would stop beating under death and under any other circumstance, too. So right. if the heart stopping beating was the cause of death, you would never have any idea. Yeah, like it wasn't, you could tell if someone had a cardiac arrest or something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that. It's just slowing down and then the engine stops. Exactly. So this was a a theory uh, that that went away because the official cause of death ended up being, and I'm not laughing, but it was a bit of a, a, it's a, a surprise. It was a bit of a surprise at the end of this uh, material that you sent me when it said he died from a cocaine overdose. <laughs> right. Because it's I did not see that coming, uh, and his family didn't see that coming. His no. friends, his mom, all said, "There's no way." Mm -hmm. Like Robert was, uh, like the opposite of that. He was a clean liver, and he was he shunned stuff like this, and was really into detoxifying his body, mm -hmm. not putting cocaine into it. Right. Um, the only thing I'll say about that is like you never know. Like True. Prince di Prince died of a of a. Uh, overdose and he supposedly you know was a, a devout religious individual who shunned medication uh -huh. and then you know dies of a of a was it fentanyl i guess overdose i think yes or else it was from oxy i don't know yeah something like that but anyway mm -hmm. all that to say like something could have happened it was the mid 70s mm -hmm. uh i did see in the material you sent that it might have been hard to get cocaine in Ann Arbor in 75. I, I think that's highly disputable. Okay, well, that's... Cocaine that was, in a college town in 75 was hard to come by. Okay, but let me defend that because that's actually me editorializing, right? So oh, okay. cocaine became really popular and it reached like its first peak of popularity in the late 70s, say like 77, 78, 79, right? This is 1975 in Michigan. Um, and it, during that first bout of popularity where cocaine became a thing in America, it was associated with, like, wealth and glamour, not, like, ascetic living and yoga and vegetarianism. So I just put it out there because I think it actually supports the idea that he might not have done it and that it was just kind of a cursory, we have no idea, we're just going to say this. The point is, is there's no explanation. Like, coverage of this just drops off 
after that that ruling came out. The official cause of death was a cocaine overdose. So I can't find, and apparently no one can find, any explanation why they said that and how it was backed up and how they came to that conclusion. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I would think if you died from a cocaine overdose, there would be some sort of trace that a medical examiner would find, right? Sure. And I think a lot of people say, well, I guess the medical examiner found cocaine in the system and determined it was enough to kill him. Either way, it's very weird. Again, it's a 180 that doesn't really jibe with any other part of the story. And that doesn't mean that it's not true. Like you said, you never can tell. It's entirely possible. And if you use Occam's razor, that's what happened, right? Yeah. But if you don't use Occam's razor, and you if you're if you believe in astral projection, you probably aren't a big fan of Occam's razor anyway. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. But if you if you believe in astral projection, then what happened to Robert Antoschek is one of the most hellish things that can ever happen to a human being, which is his spirit got separated from his body. His silver cord was severed and his body's dead here in this plane, but out there in the astral plane, his conscious mind is forever trapped to be lost and wander forever, never to be able to come back. That is scary stuff. And also, maybe he's still out there on the plane, though. Maybe he is a very happy individual in some other dimension. Let's hope so, because there's a lot of astral projectors who come back and um, all talk about very scary places out there where souls eat other souls, and it's very violent and chaotic. It's not all, like, happy hippie stuff. Yeah. So I want to shout out um, an article on Medium from Nick Repazitrone called The Hades Environment. Definitely worth reading. It's about the weird history of astral projection. Yeah. I don't know. if Maybe we should do a full app on that one day. Okay, maybe we will. But in the meantime, hopefully everybody enjoyed the short stuff. Neither way, it doesn't matter now because short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.